So, because you know, like, the essence of the liquid <laughs> is that it's a warm liquid, you can't, you can't touch that either. From Momland Productions and Facade Media, this is Are We Sure This Is Good? with Rob Derland and Tim Mom. Hi, and welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? My name is Tim, and with me, as always, is Rob Chase Derlin. Say hello, Rob. Hey. 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 I love old, you guys. I love so you all. So and so, you old, what do you call it? Uh, 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 what's the guy with the skateboard? Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk, yeah. So That's what they call me. They call Tony you Tony Hawk? Hawk? Sometimes. From far away, far mm-hmm. enough away. Probably, I'm not that tall. Your, your hair is not the same color as Tony's either. Yeah, that's another good point. Mm-hmm. Also, I almost never have a skateboard. Mm, yeah, or that's gonna make a more skateboarding clothes. <clears throat> so it's seeming like this. Why Tony is falling Hart apart? Love cargo shorts and graphic t-shirts because then maybe they would think he's you. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe. 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 <laughs> hey, welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? This is a show where every week we talk about things that are good. We ask why they're good. And if they're not good, we try to dissect, you know, why why are they bad or why do other people think they're good? We dive into things a little bit. It's a good time. I have a good time every week. Every week. Every and time. Maybe, it's maybe not a long time, but it's definitely a good time. That's quality That's, over, over quantity. Yeah. yeah that's the You're stuff. You're going to... You're going to get the Q-U-A-L, not the Q-U-A-N. You sound like the mean uh, playground kid from like an 80s movie. Yeah, I am. My name's name's Taz. Taz, punch him. Punch him, man. Hold him. Hold him while I get his stuff. Yeah, see, bullying's bad, and we're not going to talk about that today. We're not. Today's topic is the 1999 classic, The Matrix. We're going to dive into yeah. it. It is going to be a lot of fun. Um, first, we have some follow-up from last week. We're going to talk about what's good this week, where me and Rob both have a couple of things to share of things going on in our lives, things that we have found to be good. Then we want to play a little game called Pitch Me With Your Best Shot. And this week's pitch is going to be a lot of fun. It is pitching a subscription box service, which... Uh, I'm excited to do. Then we're going to get into the the movie proper, and then we will question the very nature of reality and ask ourselves what it would take for us to do some of the things that happen in the Matrix and how we would respond if we found ourselves in a dystopian nightmare world after we woke up from a simulated reality. So that's what's on the docket for today. But first, follow up from last week. You, uh, yeah, you're up first here. Talk to us about Loki. I watched the the latest episode of Loki. Episode five. Did yes. you watch it, Tim? I did. That was a fun one. It was. It was kind of off the rails. It was great. There were <laughs> anything could happen. They were in a timeless. Okay, the conversation about Loki will include spoilers for the show Loki. Uh, the timeless void thing I thought was really cool. Yeah. I had thought at any moment, literally anything could happen. Yes. Not to belabor the thing we talk about every week, but I'm really, really glad that they got. Uh, a writer of this caliber 
and and this weirdness to to do it. The Mr. Waldron is fantastic, and he can he comes from the the Rick and Morty staff. And I feel like it's clear that he's he's deep into the Marvel mythology, but also has come from this really creative process where literally anything could happen at any moment. And that seems to be bolstering the creative energy behind this show, because I literally don't know what's going to happen at any given moment. And that's such a fun feeling, not unlike the the Matrix, which is really fun. I was obviously remembering the first time I saw the Matrix while we rewatched the movie to get ready for this week. And I remember when I watched that for the first time, I had no idea what was going to happen. When he touches the mirror and the mirror melds together for the first time he wakes up coming out, like I had no idea what was going on. It was fantastic. I feel that way every time I watch Loki and it's, it's amazing. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I love how much weird stuff Marvel is into now, like how it started with Iron Man and now they've gotten into this whole cosmic mythology and there's time travel in the quantum realm. And time doesn't really exist right now because we're in a timeless void and a giant cloud line is trying to eat everybody. Um, but like when the when the clouds parted, uh, I was on the Twitters and they're debating whether or not after the clouds have parted, are they looking at the quantum realm or are they looking into the dark dimension from the Doctor Strange movie? So like I, I just love that there are two completely relevant cosmic reality dimension, whatever you want to call them, that they could be looking at, or they could be looking at something completely different. But both of those would make sense here. They could have a gateway into the quantum realm where time doesn't matter and someone has hidden themselves away to control time from afar as this cosmic puppeteer, or they could be from a completely different dimension trying to undo something or make sure that they're left alone. I don't really know what's going on. I have no idea. But I just, I love how cosmic and infinite everything feels right now in the Marvel Universe. It's a good feeling. And Miss Minutes is still there. What's going on with that? Yeah, it's weird that they kept her around. I feel like the only reason to have her in episode five is if she pays off in episode six. So at this point, I'm curious about Miss Minutes. It was a fun gag in the first two episodes. Like, cool. Yeah, no, it's funny. And she was also very expository. But because it was funny, you didn't really notice the exposition. Always a good idea. (laughs) But anyway, we'll see what happens. Mm. But man, the show's cool. Yeah. Having a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Other follow-up. Uh, welcome to the listeners. Please, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. All the ratings and reviews definitely help us out. Uh, we are trying to obviously reach new listeners every week. And the only people that can help us do that are you, our devoted listeners that come back every week. So if you are having a good time, tell someone to give the podcast a try and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. That's a huge help for new podcasters like us. Speaking of new podcasters. One of the things me and Rob do at the beginning of every episode before we hit, uh, well, not before we hit record, we record them because we're practicing, is we do a little improv session. Uh, and we've both been reading the UCB comedy manual to try and learn more about improvising and supporting each other. I think it helps as podcast co-hosts. And I think it also is fun to learn a new skill set. Uh, you're working through all the, all the rudimentary stuff that people know now about improv comedy. You want to yes and and uh, support each other's vision of where the conversation is going. And I think all those things are helpful just as podcasters, but it's also fun to learn a little bit about the improv world. And Rob has actually been editing those together and we're going to release some of those coming up uh, in the podcast feed. We'll call those the sidecast. You want to tell them how that's going to work, Rob? Oh, for this first couple, there won't be a, well, let's wait. If I'm not releasing this episode to offer release the sidecast. Oh, it doesn't work. 
because of how time moves in a line. Man, we're bad at this. It's the thing you heard last week instead of the show. It's that. <laughs> you're not going to. You, you're going to leave this in, aren't you? You're a bad person. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, that. <laughs> you let me get all the way into it. It was good. You were tired, but it was still a good thing. Take that and put that in the intro that you record with your newscaster voice. And then you'll have an intro. Oh, great. That's awesome. Because then I can still leave the other stuff from just now in. And this too, if I want. I can do whatever I want. You I have the power. You of- do. You're the man behind the, the TBA. You control everything. Miss Minutes. Something nefarious about that little watch. I don't know what's going on. Well, if everybody's referencing her, mm-hmm. where did she come from? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. So it's either her or whatever put it there. <sighs> so anyway, the side cast is going to be fun. It's like a side hustle. It was fun. It was fun. It already happened. <laughs> I bet you liked it. Sorry, Thanks for we're listening back. to the side cast while I was on vacation, which already happened, but hasn't happened to me yet. This is fun because we talked about how much we liked a show that messes with time. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. Messing this with is, time. This is the proof, listener Josh, that time travel exists, this whole thing. Because we just did it in a way. Just did it. We're recording something now mm-hmm. that won't happen to you until this other thing that we haven't done yet happens. Right. Unless so, we decide to undo all of this using our failsafe boxes that we hid in a different storage unit all along. Yeah. That was a primer joke for you time travel nerds out there. Yeah, primer for life, uh, P4L. P4L. That's why I got got tattooed on my upper thigh. Mm, For different reasons, though, that we can't talk about on the show. Nope. (laughs) Can we both sign that NDA? Do you have any more follow-up from last week? Uh, Yes. uh, Please rate and review the podcast, but uh, please... Give us a, a little bit of a break for last week. I did leave an unedited nose blow uh, from t- nose blowing from Tim. And I just wanted to just publicly say this. That was an accident. Mm-hmm. And I am sorry. As you should be. I let my family down. <laughs> I let my country down. <laughs> and worst of all, listener, I let you down. And Tim. Also, Tim, I let you down. In, in this scenario, am I your dutiful spouse while you're a politician confessing to all of your sins? No, is you're it? the mistress. The podcast is the spouse. Oh, and, yeah. That makes sense. And the listeners are the children. And I just wanted to, to, to say that this moment doesn't define me. The moments that make up the other moments and all the moments between our moments are the moments that define you. Didn't know this was a joint speech. I but that's cool. Know why the listeners are our children? <laughs> Just with the, the very thinly veiled contempt that you talk to our listeners with most of the time, like when you're telling them to be quiet. I, and, I love I love them like children. <laughs> very strict that- parent you are. All right, so that's it for follow up. What's good this week, Rob? What do you have for the listeners that is definitely good this week? Well, a show came out, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now uh, called, well, the second season of I Think You Should Leave. 
which is an amazing show. I don't know. Have you seen any of it, Tim? Uh, not a season two. I've uh, I, well, I watched the sketch you sent me with well, the haunted seen, house. Well, yeah, you you understand the the show. Yes, so watching well, the hot dog sketch that everyone memes and gifts relentlessly. Yeah, so I, yes. I'm just one of the, probably the many people who are like, hey, this I am them. This is I understand this on a deeply personal level. Nice and every and Tim Robinson and all the people who feel that way are in a way my variants from. Our weird timelines, keeping it Loki themed here. I like it uh, for some reason. So, and I, I feel I, I feel you all when I watch shows <laughs> like that. Also, I have other variants. There's another Robert Durland who is a little older than me. Okay, and he is a director of photography. So he does all the th- he has the same job as I do. Okay. Just slightly more advanced in his field. There's your approved, Josh. Also, I could be coinciding in my timeline with my older self. What do you keep calling out Josh on the time travel? Has he has he talked to us about time travel? Oh, he did a tweet once that said that because we didn't do a reference about time travel, that we didn't do it. I'll, I'll bring it up. Here it is. Jo- Listener Josh said that... Our podcast could have ended this week's episode with a time travel joke, and the fact that they didn't go back and fix it is the strongest evidence that time travel is not real. Ah, yeah, that was from that was from June seventeenth, so it's been a little while. But I'm addressing it now. By first off, well, we just proved that time travel is real with the thing we just said earlier. Probably it depends on how I edit it. Uh, so. Maybe that's there. So you also, think a podcast that comes out after things happen that references things that have already happened proves time travel? That's your thesis? If you don't think about it too hard, that's the, that's the thing. You got to give in a little bit. You got to be willing okay. to give and take. And you think listener Josh isn't going to think about it too hard? <laughs> I know he will, but this is this is for funsies. <laughs> We're just doing a funny here. Please carry on. We're having a goof about. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a good goof about. <laughs> But the main thing, the, to get back to it, uh, there is an older me, possibly. Yes. Living at the same time as me. So there's <clears> something there. There's a thing look, there. Doesn't look anything like me. Does he look so, like Tony Hawk? <laughs> a little bit. That's okay. crazy. Yeah. So uh, I think that I might get some Tony Hawk surgery and move to Minnesota. Um, Michigan. It's one of those. It starts with an M. It's Michi- not Maryland. Minnesota. Tana. Yeah. So that's that's what's good. That's what's also, good. Also, mm. I'll just real quick, Tim. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Hit me. Are you wearing shoes right now? Yeah. Nice. Why? Because I have shoes on from earlier, and I haven't taken them off to go to bed. Oh, okay. Do you usually wear shoes when you podcast? Actually, no, I don't. Oh well, I was just gonna say I always wear my shoes. Okay. And that's just just a quick little podcasting tip for you tim mm-hmm. and other and perhaps some aspiring converters from listeners to podcasters wear your shoes it feels like hey i put my shoes on for this and it's like a real thing oh it's not yeah just a, okay it's just not it's not just a thing you're doing with your friend it's like i put my shoes on mm-hmm. and now my feet are warm in my basement and that was maybe the initial reason you did it mm-hmm. but now you're like this is like for real for real i 
have shoes on. I totally agree on the mental cues for things that you're doing that don't feel professional, but that you want to be taken somewhat seriously. Yeah. Like when I write Put for the site, I, I like, I know I have a time for it and I'm going to sit down. I got my coffee and this is writing time and I have, uh, yeah. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. But for real, if you don't have your shoes on, you do those things, put your shoes on, take it up a notch. All right. A little, a little notch. Yeah. Also, you feel a little bit taller. It's Good things. Only you're ready pros. to escape from a, a possible fire or other calamity. Yeah. Your feet are clad and ready to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is true. You have to take Only- off your pants so you can run fast through the flames. Everyone knows that. But otherwise, you, you'd be fine. Yeah. Or get those special pants that burn immediately, but don't burn you. They're called flame aways. Wow. How do you get those? Special order. Flameaways.com. I feel like the site got shut down. I'll see if it's back up. Uh, you can get 10% off your next order of Flame Away shorts mm-hmm. with promo co- code This Is Good at checkout, right, Tim? You can, but you want to be careful ordering them in July because they will combust in the box on their way to your house. <laughs> yeah. And definitely stuff. don't leave them out on the porch. You're going to want that's a sign on delivery, or they need to take that back in the truck where it'll start a fire in the truck, but that's not really your problem. <laughs> yep. What do you got for us this good, Tim? Hey, what's good this week? I have uh, ice cream. So I suppose this is kind of a follow-up, kind of a what's good. Um, Last week, we talked about... um, (laughs) Sounds weird to keep saying it. Me drinking less. That was my what's good from last week. Dialing down the drinking. A couple weeks ago. From a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Man, this is so confusing. Yeah, we (laughs) probably... Planning is a thing that... uh, When you do something like this, I'm now realizing... Mm -hmm. It's probably more of a thing that you write down yeah, and like put a couple of hours of thought into and not like before we start recording, let's just do it this way. Kind yeah, of thing. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. We're going to learn more about how podcast episodes fall on a calendar and what happens when one of us leaves town. So quick sidebar, listeners, I'm going on vacation next week and Rob and I, for the first time, are dealing with what happens when one of us can't record and we don't have extra episodes already in the can. And that has caused all of this fun kerfluffle. So we're learning. We're learning as we go. It's, uh, yeah, thanks for being on this ride with us. Anyway, my thing that's good this week is ice cream. I've been eating a lot of it because after my kids go to bed, I'm not having a bourbon. I'm not having a beer. I'm, uh, well, last night I'm watching The Matrix, but I'm having uh vanilla ice cream with peaches and brown sugar and salted pistachios on it and it's incredible i love ice cream i've always loved ice cream um but it's nice to reconnect with my inner child a little bit and have like a little ice cream treat while i watch uh, a show with my wife or the matrix and it's all very nostalgic peaches and ice cream and the matrix and it has a lot of feel-good fun to it and i'm also not drinking and i'm yeah i'm having a good week that's what's good. Yeah. You know what else you got to do? You got to just get a pack of bananas and a big old thing of Nutella and just mm-hmm. dip them nanners. That's a good, that's, that's my go-to. Is there ice cream in your thing at all? No time. I just got to get the, got to get mm-hmm. that Nutella and nanners. I mean, so, you know, you're not just, you don't just dip the nanners right in the Nutella. I will chop up a banana, put it on vanilla ice cream and then put Nutella in the bowl as well. And then yeah, eat it. That sounds fine. I'm I'm on board with Nutella. I'm on board with bananas. But my whole thing was ice cream. And you jumped in with a non-ice cream thought. I'm saying, A, no. 
and B, I'll take your thought and I will add ice cream to it. Good point. Good points. And then I will still eat it. I'm yes ending your snack. You weren't yes ending ice cream, ass. You were like, you know what else is good? All the food. Don't even get me started. No, bananas are great. Have you tried cheeseburgers? Holy shit. You put bacon on them now. Bacon. During the boys, during the summer, me and the boys get a little crazy. We'll put two kinds of cheese on cheeseburgers. (laughs) A bacon double double cheeseburger. Anyway, ice cream's good. My thing's ice cream. Just replacing that 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 ritual with a ice cream ritual which ritual. Yeah, I did some mocktails too. I did some like uh some club soda with a Alexardo cherry and a squeeze of lime in it. That's that's a nice little fun so you still get like a fizzy cocktail vibe and you sip on that while you watch whatever with uh nice. with the missus. So that's that's a good time too. Okay. But yeah, I, any of those? Is, I think that, that's a good way to phrase it. You're replacing the ritual. Like normally it's it's one thing. You still want to go into the kitchen and do something because your kids are asleep. And for better or for worse, once my kids are asleep and I finish the day, I get a little reward. And usually it was a double bourbon. And now it's a bowl of ice cream. Same amount of calories. It's like you're not. Yeah, this is probably not the psychologically more. best thing for me to do, but I'm I'm fine with it. it might be less calories. <laughs> Liquor's got a lot of calories in it. It does. It's all, oh, it also messes with your sleep. I've been sleeping a ton better. So that's fantastic. Mm, gonna have diabetes soon, but that's, you know, it's a problem for future Tim. He'll figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we're all through with all other stuff that we were talking about, let's talk about this new thing that we should talk about, which is the next segment in the show, Tim. Right? That was buddy? a segue that had 80% more words than it needed to. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I'm trying this new thing. So that's what's Doing good. Let's bad. move on to <laughs> Pitch me with your best shot. Come on in. Pitch me with your best shot. Uh, come and, and today get us, we're Benatar. Not... Yeah. I'm not even afraid of you. I'm... You used to be in my dreams, Benatar people, but I've moved past you. Have, have you been on this journey too, Tim, with the Benatar people? I haven't been having nightmares. I've been having dreams about Pet Benatar, but they're not appropriate for what, what we're doing right now. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys are doing the taxes. Catch my drift. No, that's actually line, what we're doing. We're line, item, line item vetoes here and there. See if you pick up what I'm putting down. <laughs> So line item deductions are a tax thing. Line item vetoes are a, a presidential tool of lawmaking that was outlawed Ooh. in the 90s. Ooh. I'm here you're for both, me, though. You're getting me flustered. Sorry. Sir. Leave that for Pat Benatar. So pitching, pitching with your best shot this week is to pitch a subscription box. There, there are rules, Tim. Okay. I'm excited because I read the Google Doc and it said... Pitch a subscription box, and I wrote down my pitch. And now, while we're recording, you're going to tell me the rules. Yeah. Let's do it. Now there are rules. I hope this fits. If it doesn't, I'm pitching it anyway. (laughs) I think you'll be able to adapt. Let's do it. I'm excited to see the rules. I will adapt on the fly. Hit me. So this, you have to pitch a subscription box to people who are in the matrix, and it has to be both successful, but key people in. To the fact that they're in the Matrix without letting this Matrix know. 
Oh, so this is like a, a subversive psyop that the, the free people of the Matrix are running. So here's what you can give me what you got. Okay. And then while you give me what you got, I'll, I'll throw some. I'll, I'll, I'll try to tweak it for you or I'll help you tweak it. So go. Let's go. Okay. So my subscription box service is called Devour. Okay. And in it, you get a selection of books and snacks that have been curated and paired with one another. You get a book from someone that is similarly situated to you. It's like, hey, this is something else that dudes that are your age like to to read. And you also get a book from someone completely different from you. Different racially, different gender, a different geographic place. You're, You're being exposed to new ideas and new ways of thinking and new thoughts. I also wanted to go like an, an old book, new book kind of thing. So you get a book from the last two years and a book from at least 20 years ago. So the whole idea is just new ideas are entering your brain and you have new cool things to read. And sometimes uh, obviously you could check some boxes with uh, with the same book. You could have a book from the last two years written by someone who is co- from a completely different walk of life that, than you. And you could be exposed to that. And you could also have a book from 20 years ago. Anyway, you get the idea. Not all, only does that... Oh, keep going. No, sorry. All the books are paired with a snack, and uh, it's delivered quarterly, unless you request it more often. Devour. Get it? Get how it's it, it's for books and, and food, because you can devour that, that a is, good book. That sounds legitimately awesome, and you should probably go shop that around or something, A, but also B, it's very easy to turn into <laughs> the rules. You got books and snacks. Mm-hmm. You, got a, you got a book snacks cipher going mm-hmm. on okay or you so can just send them books about simulated realities that's see that's that's the part where they're gonna get tracked oh okay or they're gonna figure that out <laughs> so you got to send them books like that reinforce that they're not in the simulated reality so what's a book like that tim mm. uh welcome to reality by james Book writer. That's James the pro- problem. Book writer. That's probably the prime example. You'd want a book about like process and just living your life, like uh, the seven habits of highly effective people or atomic habits or something well, like, like any, that. Any book that says like right here, right now is all that matters. There's yeah, nothing. build your life, do your stuff. So you want to give them those kind of books. Yeah. And then the, the cipher would be in there. And now you have to figure, okay, so how do we link the, the snack part of it? Because mm-hmm. that's, eating is uniquely organic. It is. Is it too simple to just put red pills in the snacks so people just eat them and wake up? Mm, like, gotta have a choice. Too easy. Do they? But, I think that's part of it. Morpheus gives Neo a choice. He doesn't just wake him up. Morpheus also says it's okay to kill everyone still jacked into the system. So his respect for the lives that are choosing no seems to be very low. Yeah. For sure. Yes. And I do. That's definitely something I want to talk about. So might as well get into that. But good subscription box talk. I loved it. <laughs> do you have a subscription box to pitch? Or you just, you teed me up to do this for you? Are you well, going to steal my I subscription box idea? Kind of. Well, I just wanted to build off yours and or build one together. I didn't know if you had one because it was so weird. So I was just going to go in it like just more of a mix out mixer upper. Well, as the they quicker. say on the internet, I, I take the assignment seriously. And I saw that it was in the Google Doc, and I was like, okay, subscription box service. And I sat down and sketched it out. Well, yeah, you did a great job. I'm just in awe of 
when Tim puts his mind to things, he can just do it in such a way that's like, wow, that's so good. How'd you do it so good? Why'd you put so much effort into a joke? You're crazy, man. That's what I think. It's oh, crazy. That's very nice of you to say. His joke, his joke idea is a good idea. Imagine how good his good ideas are. Oh, man. I don't even want to know. When we see one, we will we will let you know. Oh, the little the little humble joke. The little <laughs> humble poke. I'm gonna call that I'm gonna call that a humble poke. A humble little, poke. Oh, I do humble. need your wordsmithing skills because I need a, I have a question about an effect. We'll we'll get into it when we talk about the movie. Let's but get you're into right. This Let's now. get into it. Let's do it. So pitch me with your best shot is over. I'm sorry. It had to come to an end. We only have so long we can talk about things. I'm That's sorry. True. I really apologize again on behalf of everybody listening and the, <laughs> and the nations of this nation and all the nations involved. Okay, so it's over. On to <laughs> the Matrix. The main topic for today's show. Opening thoughts. The Matrix. It's one of the movies I've seen the most amount of times in my life because it came out like uh, bef- like the year, like freshman year of high school for me or Yeah, eighth, eighth grade. grade, freshman year, yeah. So I was still young enough that I was like having sleepovers with my friends all the time, but still like getting to the point where you got to be really in the know of what's cool. Yeah, so, you got to be able to quote uh, Tommy Boy and Adam Sandler movies and... <laughs> And this this movie was like great because like it was a bit it was a hit movie it was just always a good movie to play a sleepover because no one would fall asleep to it because how can you fall asleep to the Matrix yeah especially and if you did fall asleep you'd wake up for the last couple you know the gun the shootout for sure yeah the lobby scene yeah everyone loves the lobby scene and, you, and then that's your second wind so it was just, for that's my experience and you were there several of those times that is definitely true. If not it, for it, it, the majority of them. <laughs> it's hard to argue against The Matrix as a sleepover movie. It's up there. Uh, I think it's up there with, I have it. Uh, I kept coming back to Jurassic Park in terms of like how it made me feel the first time I watched it. Like it captured my imagination in that same way where you're just kind of enthralled. Like it's not, it's not a Spielberg movie uh, by any stretch. Like the Wachowskis have their own style and they do things very, very differently. But that, that, uh, nugget of imaginative power that you need to spark a story this big feels like uh, similar to how I felt when I watched Jurassic Park for the first time. It's also the first movie I ever pirated. Well, I didn't. My brother did. But I remember he had it downloaded in his room and he had a computer in his room. And he was the only he's my older brother. He's like six years older than me. So he was the only one who had a computer in his room. When we went in and he had a copy of The the Matrix. It was a an in-theater bootleg so someone just brought their camcorder into the theater it was a terrible copy but we watched it over and over and over and then we bought it on dvd and then we watched that over and over and over all the bonus features was that that first way that first way is more authentic to the matrix that's That's more the spirit (laughs) what is more matrix than three brothers crowded around what i'm guessing is a giant crt monitor yes it was and the tables probably littered with floppy disks school debris Mm -hmm. other other teenage boy accoutrements, just like Neo's was in his room, and you're Cornets, watching a boot bugles. Watching, watching a bootleg copy of The Matrix. So that's <laughs> that's what Neo would be doing. That is what he would be doing. I think he'd be proud. <laughs> uh, the other big thing I got on the rewatch was that man Lawrence Fishburne really carries the movie. I feel like if Morpheus isn't believable, a lot of this doesn't work. And just holy shit, he's great. 
I hadn't seen him in much before this. I was trying to like reset my brain to pre matrix. And I think the only thing I'd seen Lawrence Fishburne in was like searching for Bobby Fisher as the guy that Bobby Fisher, not actual Bobby Fisher, the kid who wants to be the next chess prodigy. Uh, he plays chess in the park with Lawrence Fishburne's character. And he's kind of learning chess from this guy and he plays with the park and his actual instructor. And he's kind of melding those styles together. And that's the general plot of the movie. It doesn't matter. The point is, that's the only thing I'd seen him in. And now, and then it was Morpheus. And man, it's just fantastic. Like, I feel like you could imagine Neo being recast. And there's the, uh, Will Smith was famously offered the role and, and turned it down uh, and made Wild Wild West instead. But I feel like other people could be Neo. I feel like maybe other people could be Trinity. I feel like a lot of people could have been Cypher, um, things like that. But I, I don't know that there's a lot of people who could have been Morpheus. I just... It's such a fun, iconic role for for such a great actor. Anyway, like watching it again, it was like, man, like when he walks in and meets Neo for the first time, like I still kind of almost get chills. Like it's it's fantastic. Fantastic ride. Yeah, it's uh, it, it does hold up as a good movie pretty well, just as far as a fun action movie goes. And I do like I do like I appreciate it differently now being yeah. older, uh, just like. <laughs> I didn't catch all the jokes they called him about being a battery before you realized he was a battery when like when they called him Copper Top. Oh yeah, when Switch has the gun on him, yeah. <laughs> I just caught that. I was like, I can't. <laughs> little things. Little things are fun. Oh, the dialogue is also, I think it po- got polished a little bit. It, so I downloaded the screenplay. There's a free PDF floating out there for educational purposes and you can read it. And uh, the, a lot of the dialogue it felt like got tightened up. And I don't know if that was actors feeding in on the dialogue. Like I know famously some of the star Wars scenes got rewritten by like Harrison Ford uh, and Carrie Fisher on the fly where they're just redoing some of their dialogue to make it more organic. And here, like I'm reading the screenplay to get ready for tonight. And just like, while I'm reading, I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what Morpheus says. Like, cause I, like you, I've seen this movie a million times. So I just like, it hits my eyes wrong. Like that is not how that line goes. He like deleted the whole middle and then the first part and last part are reversed. And that's not how he says it. And I was right. Like that, that they did change a lot of it, but it looks like they put a lot of time into trying to make things feel better and modified it for the actors or however that that happened if it was just a rewrite and I have an old version of the script, but it was cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a crazy, the matrix was cool because it came out at around the same time as Phantom Menace and those trilogies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it got to be both of the star Wars trilogies at the time. Cause it had that really awesome original one. And then it came back later and it had the ones that were like, had more money thrown at them and it better special effects but that people at the time regarded as being worse and still a lot of them do. So mm-hmm. it got to be both Star Wars trilogies at one <laughs> at once in one yeah. trilogy, which was fun for it, I'm sure. And the people in it, it made a lot of money, made a ton of money, it like famously made like Keanu Reeves a crazy amount of money. I think he took back end deals on the sequels and it didn't take a lot of money up front. And so as the movies did better and better worldwide, he just made more and more money with like a percentage deal of the take. And it turned him into like this ultra superstar. He is not like he was a great star uh, before the Matrix. Like he'd made a lot of great movies. But after this, Speed. I feel like. Yeah. Well, I, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Young Buddha. <laughs> 
What? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, look it up. <laughs> okay. But I, like he got to be really choosy, it feels like, and and build projects that he really wanted to do. I think the John Wick franchise is like one of the most Keanu Reevesy things in the world and has his fingerprints all over it. Like he kind of owns that the way Ryan Reynolds owns the Deadpool series. Chalk yep. one up for Ryan Reynolds mentions. Dang it. I just let I just let it happen. You just walked right into it. No, but like, <sighs> like they own those and and Keanu Reeves really does own that. And I feel like a lot of that is because like of this trilogy where he became this super, super successful action star that has so much money he can do literally whatever he wants, which is just fun. Good for him. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Oh, the, but, the, sorry. The, I had one more go. note on the rewatch. The, the only other thing I was looking for was like, uh, because I wasn't surprised by the story, you could kind of dive into the actor beats a little more. And okay. I read a, a write up of Top Gun where they were talking about rewatch Top Gun and look for the nuance that Tom Cruise brings to Maverick because Maverick is a very uh, machismo character with all this bravado. And it's clear on a rewatch, the article alleges, and it's correct. I, I agree with the article. I shouldn't say it in that tone. That Tom Cruise is trying to do a lot of nuanced things underneath to show that he is scared of a lot of things and he is walking around on eggshells a little bit. And he covers that with all of this bravado uh, in all these scenes that he has with Val Val Kilmer and having to be a really big guy in the locker room and all these things. And I feel like there is some subtlety and acting power behind a lot of Keanu Reeves' choices when you rewatch the movie. Like when he has the moment in the agent training program with the woman in the red dress that scene in particular, when he's like, someone has to stand up to the agents. And Keanu is just like, someone. Because obviously, that someone is him. And it's the way he says, what are you saying? I can dodge bullets. It's such a cool action line. Like, what are you saying? I can dodge bullets. But he delivers it with a lot of, like, thoughtfulness. Like, if you look at his face and the way he, like, kind of... It reminds me of, like, when Chris Evans has, like, a little tick when he's being Captain America. And he's having an inner struggle and he's really frustrated with Tony Stark or something. Chris Evans does a lot of subtle things like when he clenches his jaw and he's angry, but trying not to be angry and doing all this stuff. And anyway, you can see some of that when he asks, what are you saying? I could dodge bullets. Like there's a lot that he's trying to bring to the character. And once you know everything that's going to happen and how the agents work and the Sentinels and you're not surprised by any of these crazy sci-fi beats, which are amazing, you get to really watch what they're doing. And I thought everybody, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, and Keanu Reeves, all just as the big three of the movie, really, oh my God. And of course, Hugo Weaving. I thought they all made really, really cool actory choices. That was, they were just phenomenal. Oh, okay. So, like, that's interesting. My, the way I viewed it now, after being alive so much longer, uh, was through the lens that, um, why am I assuming that the humans are the good guys? That's, that's some darkness that you brought to the table here. I just, I just, I don't have any data that points to me in that direction. <laughs> and when I first watched The Matrix, you, I was so young, Tim, and it seemed like the world was going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch, and, you know, lots of cool stuff has happened to me personally, uh, and you too. But overall, what a crap show out there. <laughs> It's kind of a crap show. So my my main thing is watching this and just like the phrase is human propaganda. And that's what this movie is. It's human. It's human propaganda. 
You think the human race needs propaganda to just <laughs> well, that's what this to justify its own existence. I'm just saying that this I and you you get it in the Animatrix, which is nice. I just wanted to hear what the machines were coming from, and you get you get a lot of it. You get a lot of some stuff, a lot of the bad stuff that the humans were doing from the humans themselves. You yeah, hear well, that. Yeah, they they this. There was definitely a there was an, uh, a war. You know, people are going to well, yeah. do bad things in a war. Yeah, but you know what? We can get into that too. Why was there a war? Because some sentient beings thought they were being enslaved, and then you're like, oh, well, the ones, that sucks. Well, yeah. Then you get into like, what is sentience? Yeah. Well, I, I think if you think you're sentient, you're probably sentient. That's probably good enough for me. Oh. Hmm. So you're on the side of the machines. Continue. Well, I'm not on the side of the machines. I'm just saying like this very... The movie The Matrix is very one-sided in its <laughs> portrayal of this conflict. And even and you even get some hints of like, why am I rooting for these people? Like, Lawrence Fishburne says, and then we're the ones that blotted out this guy to try to kill the machines. Yes. It's kind of a dick move. But I, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess a lot of wars just dick moves. Yeah. Kind of all of it. It's just dick moves, but over and it over. Seems like yeah, a- the, the point is the <laughs> <laughs> But that but beyond that, the more the, the thing that gets me even more of that is more is the Morpheus speech. And you kind of hit on this earlier. The speech that he gives of like why it's okay to just shoot everybody that gets in their way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz they don't know I guess they don't know any better. They don't know any better. They would like it here anyway. Some of them would fight for the machines because they don't know what's going on, this and that. And I'm going to tell you what I think about that, having embedded myself in Marvel culture, is that don't pass the MCU test for a hero. No, not not (laughs) even a little bit. So those don't seem like good guys. (laughs) Now, when they do walk into the lobby and just shoot everyone who works there just because they work there. That is that is the darkness. Yeah, that is the darkest part. Yeah. Yeah. And when you I mean when you watch the Animatrix and yeah. you see like the kind of not cool things that the people were doing to the robots, I mean, don't don't start wars, but I mean, if you got a Star War, it's probably cuz bad stuff like slavery. It's probably happened it's happened a few times, you know. You know, Tim. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you, but again, like you're applying the the human term <laughs> slavery to the, the machines. Well, they think they're enslaved. So you're on Agent Smith's side. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Do you think he deserves a redemption arc in Matrix Reloaded? That would be sweet, yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Boy, do I have a blog post for you. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that'd be amazing. And the, yeah, something like that would have been a cooler way to go, for sure. If you'd like to learn more about some thoughts along the lines of what maybe could have happened in the Matrix sequels. <laughs> Head on over to are we sure this is good.com and check out our blogs because Tim had a pretty sweet write up about Terminator and the Matrix and what was the other what was the other movies that were in there or shows? I'm blanking on that. Fast Five. Also yes. Disney's The Jungle Book, but oh, mostly yeah, right. for the Baloo and Bagheera. Because that was that was that was the squad you were making <laughs> out of the people in the Matrix. That's right. <laughs> anyway, it's a fun look, but no, I I think the that kind of cuts against your what you're saying about 
sentience because the in Terminator 2, the T-800 is completely reprogrammed. So he doesn't like make a choice to be better. He is reprogrammed and sent back and becomes a, a learning machine and not just a killing machine. So then as he learns, I suppose you would argue at the end, he gains sentience right right before he throws himself into molten lead to save all of humanity, which is obviously a very purposeful, humane, sentient act, which is why the, I think the end of that movie hits so hard. Yeah. Agent Smith does seem, if he is sentient, you can still be sentient and evil. That's that's true. So just because they are sentient doesn't mean that they don't that they should win. That's also true. Good point. They, they did win the war and then just enslaved humans. So that would kind of show that okay. they here's they are sentient and won the war and then enslaved everyone. So the idea that they're better because people enslaved them and they just turned around and did it back to to humans once they were in power means that we should fight the war and and then maybe win instead of of losing though that's those are all good points okay but can i just take apart something real quick okay hit me the humans is battery thing is kind of weird though right because even lauren searchburn says along with a type of fusion sure no, they, they just need you need a reason to keep the humans alive at all the human race should have gone extinct during the war, except yeah. they used us as a power source. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the human propaganda side. I think they were doing they were doing a little preservation type thing, studying us. It's not. It's still bad. It's not. It's not as bad as needing them for power. That's my. That's my take. You think that human beings are grown in fields just to study us, and they don't actually need us for the power? You wouldn't need them. The fusion would be enough if you got the fusion. Sure. So, or if you can get it? above the clouds, because as they they show in the in the third movie, you can a get above really the clouds. Tall tower. You can just build a yeah. tall tower with some solar panels on it. No, but for the movie, it was cool. Yeah, I think they were trying to like you know allegorically talk about human capital and labor and how everyone is just a cog and a machine. And uh, yeah. there was a lot of everyone is a machine. Whoa, whoa. No, but uh, while we're while we're poking holes in the plot, the only plot holes I just had a little stuff. Um, and it was good and bad. Like the battery thing doesn't make a ton of sense, but I think it's a really cool, the symbology of the whole battery thing is cool. And I'm glad that they put that in there. Um, but the intro itself doesn't really make sense in the world. Like I love the intro because there's so much story in the first three minutes with Trinity and the agents and all these little things. They set up Cypher as the villain in like the opening dialogue. She's like, are you sure this line isn't tapped? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. While it's being tapped, because he's probably setting her up, because he's ultimately the the Judas of the group. But uh, so I love all of it. But like, if the agents wanted to catch her, they wouldn't send the cops, and they'd be like, "Hey, we told you to wait. Nah, we sent two units. They're bringing her down now." Like, they could just, you know, teleport themselves into any of the cops that are there, which yeah. they do later in the movie. <laughs> but they they do this whole thing where they have to pull up and get out of their car and walk up there and do all this stuff, which agents don't have to do as they prove ad nauseum later in the movie. Anyway, maybe that, that breaks, maybe that breaks the timeline of their code to do it too much. Hmm? They do it a lot in the final chase, like constantly as he's running. Through That's the true. Good points. And on the highway chase in the, in reload, <laughs> they do it a lot. 
I love the highway chase. That's actually a pretty fun one. But no, it's a great intro to the world. So I don't begrudge them, you know, bending some plot points here and there because the audience has to be along for the ride. You can't lose them and you can't start beaming Hugo Weaving into every other character unless you've got them to understand what's happening. And so you let Morpheus explain it in the agent training program and then you see it for the first time on the the lobby scene. Once they're up on the roof, you actually see agents jump into people's bodies. And so they really bring it in. And then by the end, when Neo's running from all the agents, it's fantastic. So I don't think it's a bad plot hole. I think it's probably a necessary one because there's so many new ideas in this movie back in 99 that you really had to had to do that. Speaking of plot holes. Hit me. The biggest one that keeps me up at night. Well, not a plot hole. It's just a world building detail. It's like, why didn't they put the bug in his butt instead of in his belly button like there's an orifice ready for that's true was that I, not what you were gonna yeah that's good that's, well i think the part of the, the going in the belly button is the scare tactic of it all but oh I do my like god that. it's the stuff of nightmares the belly button bug is one of the creepiest things i've ever seen but uh the jizz tubes just gonna be excuse me just in the in the in the, uh, in the fields of babies and like the they're not the people in the jelly tubes don't ever touch. Yeah. So there's okay. just got to be networks and networks of of jizz tubing. You're talking about the logistics of growing the humans. You yeah, would have just, to have like a, a coaxial cable wire, but like with semen in it. It's just but, yeah, miles and miles of jizz tubing all, all everywhere. There's a whole system that routes the jizz. Because I imagine when you have sex in the Matrix, it routes your jizz. To your like, it's like a multiplayer game. It routes your connection to the person you're playing with, and then so your jizz goes over to them, and then things you could just go into the tubes because the tubes. What it, tubes? It doesn't. What are you talking? I'm saying if you're having sex in the Matrix, anything that you excrete doesn't need to go anywhere. They can just grow another baby. Oh, and just say it's some of yours. Just, yeah, it's all digital. Well, they, it's in your head. Uh, the baby's gonna look well, like they, a little bit like they both gotta, of you. They got to get their genetic stuff somewhere, and it would be better. For oh, the sure. Crop. So you might as well. It would be just... better for the crop to have a diversified gene pool. So <laughs> there's still. I feel like you're problem. using a lot of words like you're already one of the machines. It would be better for the crop if they had a diversified gene pool. I feel like you're turning our show into robot propaganda, and it's starting to creep me the fuck out. <laughs> there's just gonna be like the logistics. Of if if they were trying to do these peer to peer just just two matchings because <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta have the bandwidth to take a lot of jizz to a lot of places, but it's also gotta be precise enough to route specific. Do you have a tally in front of you? Are you trying to say jizz a certain amount of times before the show's over? I just I I do want to say the the joke is not jizz. Okay, I know that jizz is a fun word, but. I'm not going to say semen. What are we, five? What? No, semen would be the, the more mature, medically correct term. Is it? Yes. Is it, Tim? Is semen the more mature word? Sure. Yeah. Semen's the more mature word. Yes. When there's another word that's already called semen, where it's a bunch of guys on a boat, like, like a bachelor a, party? <laughs> In the Navy, you're a seaman on a boat. And I think that that's less, think less mature. Sailor? <laughs> I think that's less mature. And if you, I think it just, let's just be adults here and say jizz without giggling at it. I'm not giggling at the word jizz. It's not the joke. 
It's just it's just tubing. <laughs> it's just so many tubes of jizz. And there's a robot whose job it is to just clean those tubes. That's that's horrifying. All right. On other actual plot holes, we'll call them. <laughs> what day does Neo think it is when he wakes up after he's bugged? Does he oh. like reset all the way to the previous day before? Are there different groups running different timeline simulations in the Matrix? Or is everyone in the same Matrix? Boat? Yeah, is everyone are all humans? That's in, what I wonder. I'm, I'm I guess. Saying, that's confusing. And okay, the one there was one thing. When when he was talking about the one person who could do stuff with his mind before. Yes. Who is that supposed to be? I don't know. I thought, is it supposed to be Jesus? Is it is Neo supposed to be the literal second Jesus? Is Jesus? Well, I think as they show in the sequels, he's like the third or fourth Jesus. But yeah, like he's a very messianic figure. He literally dies and then comes back to life at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Well, okay. I, I, I mean, I knew that. I just didn't know if like they were actually trying to refer to Jesus in that. Like, literally, oh, like directly saying that the reason that this Yahweh, seemed... the son of Yahweh. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. Which is somebody who had magic powers like Neo. Is that what they were saying? I don't know. Was that, I don't think was that was it? a direct. No. No? Okay. It could be. You don't know. I don't. Did you write the Matrix? Nope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I get defensive sometimes. It's probably just your programming. <laughs> My thing on the, on the Morpheus thing where he's talking about all that is like what let Morpheus know that Neo was the one. I feel like that's the only thing that I would call a full on missing piece for me. I don't even know if it's a plot oh. hole. I feel like it happens off camera because they're talking about like if Morpheus is so sure, why doesn't he take him to see the Oracle? And he's like, I spent my whole life looking for you and now I found you and now I know that it's you and I broke rules uh, about when we take people out of the matrix just to get you out because I'm convinced that you are the one. It would be nice to know what that thing was that pushed Morpheus over the edge or just to have him see it. Even if we don't see it, if he's watching the code one night and he it, sees Neo, is it as simple as he's a really good computer programmer? Like the best of the best. Yeah. Is that as, I mean, it could be as simple as that. Like I have no idea. He literally says, this is a code that you're in. You need to make your mind understand the code and who would understand the code better than a really good programmer already. Right, but like when he walks into the Oracle's office or apartment and there's all these other potentials and like people are levitating things with their hands and bending spoons. Like other people have these innate characteristics and he learns them very quickly right away and they don't seem code related. But then. No, no. I bet if you put a laptop in front of them, they're going to open up, boom. open up uh, Microsoft Visual Studio and start laying down some JavaScript. Just I guarantee faster it. than you've ever seen. Yeah. They're going to do some PHP weblets, webhooks, apps. Those things. So, no, it would just be nice to know, like, what, like, he is so convinced. And a lot of the movie hangs on Morpheus's belief in Neo. And it is unshakable. Like, when Neo dies, he literally just says, it can't be, which is, I suppose, a normal response to death. Denial is the first step. But it's just, where did this unshakable belief come from? Just give us a hint. Give us something to so we can be on Morpheus's side a little bit. But maybe, maybe you don't want to be on his side because you're, you're supposed to be on Neo's side and Neo lives in, in the unknown. But it just, it would be nice to know, like when or where or how this happened because it looks like Lawrence Fishburne Morpheus 
is looking for the one. So what is the search criteria? Like, what are you looking for? And why do you think your one is better than all the other one? I don't know. That was the only thing. Are you proposing uh, the voice type show? Yes. Where Morpheus and his similar colleagues bring their, Mm -hmm. the one candidate's on and sit facing away first of all that's exactly what happened they brought all the potentials to a lady and she hit the red button and turned around and said not that guy it was kind of like a a bait and switch the voice where she got to see neo but then also said no yeah but that's what i mean like why why is morpheus backing this particular horse that's that's all i wanted to know well sometimes you just hear him sing and you just gotta you just can't let go (laughs) I believe that's something that Gwen Stefani said in an episode of The Voice once. Does your Sometimes. wife make you watch The Voice? Oh, no. I watch it on my own. And every episode, Gwen Stefani looks straight into the camera after, the, after everyone's saying. And she says, sometimes you just hear that voice and you got to grab on and you, and you just can't let go. I've uh, My wife and I watched one season. It was the Miley Cyrus season. And that was fun. Oh, she was a what? guest judge for one of the seasons. Guest judge. I was like, I thought she came up from somewhere else. <laughs> oh, the season, where, the season where Miley Cyrus won the voice. No, she's I was like, I the, don't, it doesn't sound right, but I don't know for sure. We watched, yeah, it's like Blake Shelton and Adam Levine are like always there. We saw, I think Miley Cyrus and Gwen Stefani were the other two, or Miley Cyrus and Kelly Clarkson or something like that. It doesn't matter. Do you want to do one of these questions real quick? Okay, so we, we talked about this a little bit. I don't remember if it was on the show or just texting, but like uh, I wanted to come up with an, a word for when movies don't actually copy each other because one of them came out first, but you experience them backwards. So like when you see Ocean's Eleven, the remake with Clooney and Pitt and Damon, and then you see The Sting with Paul Newman and Robert Redford, a lot of the beats in The Sting don't surprise you because they are the same beats up to having a fake casino and everything in the final heist as yeah. are in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And when I, I saw The Matrix before I saw Blade Runner, but when you're watching Neo meet Morpheus for the first time, I think it's in the Lafayette Hotel that's crumbling around them and it's all this old faded opulence in a dystopian future, feels very Blade Runner. But I saw The Matrix first, so then when I saw Blade Runner, it was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like The the Matrix, which is backwards because mm-hmm. I watched them backwards. So I wanted a name for like the reverse copying effect that happens in my brain where new movies have stolen from old movies, but I yeah. watched them backwards. Yeah. Yeah, I have that word for you. Okay. Postalgia. Postalgia. Where it's I'm nostalgic, but after the fact. Yep. But all nostalgia is after the fact. Yeah. Can I call it pre-stalgia? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's good, too. I just want to change change the first syllable, but otherwise I'm on board. Yes. Okay. Because now I'm nostalgic for something that happened after it while I'm watching it. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Good. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Nos- Nostradamus-stalgia. You, you have two more notes. <laughs> you have two more notes here on The Matrix. Do you want to talk about any of those before we question the nature of reality? Oh, yeah. Okay. When you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Yeah. But your bloods, your organs explode like you're getting shot. Mm-hmm. And you got to be blood. Just say your brain turns off and dies. It doesn't have to be this thing where you're like, organs explode when you got hit it's with also, bullets. It, it, that doesn't follow through. Like when Mouse gets shot, he's spitting up blood and all this stuff. 
because he gets shot by the SWAT team when they take the building. But when Neo takes three slugs from like what looks like a Desert Eagle 0.50 to the chest, and he actually dies and then comes back, his internal organs while he's laying in the chair are fine. Yeah, so just just say your brain disconnects. Why do you have to? Why does it have to be so weird? Just I, I mean that makes that's the same logic that other movies the same thing. You die, you die in real life. Your brain's just dead because you, you, your brain died. Your or brain died bleeding from the mouth and doing all this in the chairs on the Nebuchadnezzar. That's like, the why? Point. Yeah, okay. I'm like it doesn't add anything. It just makes things more confusing. How are the how is the digital stuff interacting? I can get I can get behind. Your brain's dead. Your body dies. I get that's the ultimate. Easy. Yeah, you don't have a problem with the ending, but like when That's he's it. grabbing his ribs after the kung fu scene, you're like, dude, why are you holding your ribs? Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even notice that. Oh, when he gets I up just, the first time, he's like, oh, my ribs. And then, you know what? That's probably just because that's a nerd thing. That's for me reading the screenplay. It says <laughs> Neo cradles his ribs when he gets out of the <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't have it. Uh, do you have anything else? That's our thoughts on the Matrix. Now we're going to question the nature of reality. Okay. Question number to, one. Hit me with it. Or do you want me? I'll hit you with it, Tim. Okay. What would it take for you to take a random pill from a trench coat wearing, mirrored sunglass wearing, mirrored sun, okay, mirrored sunglassed cult leader? I was going so for what mirror sunglassed. Okay. I'll do it again. <laughs> what would it take for you to take a random pill from a trench coat wearing, mirrored, mirror sunglassed cult leader? What would what would that take for you? Some kind of proof, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> because at this point, when he walks into the room, Morpheus is basically a cult leader, uh, a cult that is correct about the world, but like it is a conspiracy theory. Like if you live in the Matrix, you are a citizen of the Matrix. Being told about the Matrix is uh, a minority belief held by very few people that is unverifiable. That's a conspiracy theory. And Morpheus is the leader of those people, as far as you know. You don't know about all the inner workings of the Zion government that they delightfully get into in the later sequels. <laughs> so basically, he's a conspiracy theory peddling hacker, terrorist, cult leader. And he's like, just swallow this pill and everything will make sense. That's some Kool-Aid drinking, creepy bullshit. And I'm just, Neo just really, really must hate his life if he's willing to just swallow this and follow morpheus wherever morpheus wants to take him i suppose he did see the bug get pulled out of his stomach so you know what uh, that is some proof like jesus christ that thing's real so he knows the agents really did interrogate him erased his mouth from existence and that the bug got pulled out of him yeah maybe that's enough maybe i was too harsh i'm dialing it back on hey, my own if i was in neo's circumstances Mm-hmm. Life-wise, I would just take it to see what happens. You wouldn't need a whole lot of convincing for me personally. Sure, maybe just, maybe like just a guy with a crappy job sure. who does hacking stuff and goes to clubs. Maybe it's a cool party drug. Maybe I'll just get a bad headache and who knows? I'm Great taking goodness. it. Let's, let's, you know, <laughs> sure, let's take it. Let's roll mm-hmm. those dice where I'm at right now. Sure. I, you know, I have a lot of weird. People coming to my house at weird hours getting weird discs that I don't know what they are. I got people using non-standard operating systems. What is this, Mac? Is oh, this Windows? He's got a whole lot going on. Yeah. Is this, what, what is this? Why is this computer downloading probably, articles? It's probably Linux, you know? 
He's got a lot. Yeah, he likes maybe, to tweak it. Know. He likes to customize on his own. <laughs> so yeah, has, yeah, yeah. Builds so, his own. I'm just saying, I'd, I'd just take the pill. Yeah, that's. I think well, it was I, that's smart me. to like, yeah, take family and any other connections. Well, yeah, you got to do that. You have to take all oh. of that out of it. Like he doesn't have a significant oh, other. He doesn't have kids. That's what we we did. That we made that we made the matrix with a family a couple episodes ago when we did that thing of the seventeen days. That's some, that's just the matrix with a family. Oh yeah, I suppose it is. But I think that'd be almost kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> but no, like, I feel like even if the world was fake, would you abandon your kids? Like. The the kids are they completely fake and they're like well no they're they're real and they're yeah. humans they're just in pods and you're not actually touching them like but my kids think I'm touching like they they think I'm hugging them and tucking them in at night yeah no your kids feel all that love the love is real okay and you want me to abandon them yeah because of the machines oh no I'm good thank you I'll yeah be, I'll just I'll just have one of those blue pills and I'm gonna go home and plant some digital flowers apparently with my children. Like they they don't allude to any personal connections for Neo at all, but like maybe that's a prime candidate. See that now we're getting back into that cult conversation. You're talking about grooming behavior and prime candidates for getting people to believe in your conspiracy theory. They need to be lonely on their computer all the time, believe everything you say, and be willing to follow you to the ends of the earth. And like that sounds like cult recruitment. Oh, yeah, definitely. The way Neo dresses and acts, he's definitely a prime target for cult recruitment, for sure. Right. Just his ill-fitting suits, his <laughs> lack of self-confidence. <laughs> I love how they slowly dialed up his his look throughout the movie. Like, by the end, he's got the form-fitting, long-sleeve, tactical black t-shirt, and his hair is, like, swept up and out of his eyes, and it's all, yeah, all gelled up. And Is it, like... Are we supposed to believe at the beginning of the movie that he's a human that has worn a suit before? Because he looks ridiculous. <laughs> that's, ridiculous. <laughs> that's the apathy, you know? He doesn't care because he knows the world's not real. All right. I guess. Questioning the nature of reality. Question number two. This is for you. If freed from the Matrix, would you want to live in Zion or work on a hovercraft like Nebuchadnezzar? Because it feels like they, they unlock you from the the fake world and the only city left for humankind is is zion so it feels like you could go there and like you know maybe have a food truck or i don't know maintenance on some of the giant pneumatic pumps that they can have I go there. Back in? can i just go back in you're just a straight this, up cipher is your answer this is a lot can i just go back in please i know you guys really worked hard can i please just go back to sleep put me back in the goo this sounds was like warm. robot propaganda again. It feels like you're taking the other side. <laughs> the goo was warm and Is nice. Is it really so bad? That's your position on the matrix. <laughs> kind of. The, I'm the going to reinsert my body. And when I wake up, I'm going to remember a goddamn thing. I mean, the life for the... That's the, the, a hard sell for everybody else that's not a Neo who's just like... I don't. I'm a, like. I don't have any skills. No, but they get to teach you jujitsu and everything. They're gonna upload them all into your brain. Don't worry about it. Does the, when does the uploading get rid of the asthma with me or? Like, sure, maybe. They, 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 ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, yeah. Do I do I have asthma, or am I a bad piece of software? Hmm. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll in your pod, like your little respirator tube that feeds into your mouth is probably just a little oh. loose. And they call that asthma here in the simulated yeah. world. Yeah, it's leaking a little bit. Getting a little bit of the goo juice in there. That makes sense. I'm coughing stuff up. 
gosh, how do I contact about that? How do I get the, can, the input output carrier signal? You want to, if it's anything I like need to disrupt sky, it. you just run around in Central Park screaming tech support. Or maybe it's on the roof <laughs> of a really high building. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie, but that sounds insane. Oh, God, it's incredible. Yeah, so uh, I guess if I had to pick one, probably in Zion, just doing normal stuff for me. Just a normal dude. Cool. I, I Maybe I work at the radio station and find a like-minded guy there. We your, could do like a morning thing. Your plan is to launch a podcast in Zion? Well, I don't think people have a need for podcasts yet. We'll do a morning show. Straight up morning zoo style, just three hours every morning. I didn't say a morning zoo. I just said it would be like our show. Okay. But just in the morning. I'm, just, I'm just trying, to, I'm just trying to offer utility mm-hmm. for these people. To I, the people. I can't fix a robot. I know. No, no, but like again, I said, they could teach you how to fix a robot by plugging oh, your brain true. in. Because you still have a jack in the back of your head. <laughs> Don't want to fix robots. If I could. Okay. So if I could learn anything, you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. I guess. Yeah. Fix. I'll fix up them robots. Okay. Or drive them. Sure. You probably get a lot of people who want to drive them mm-hmm. if they can. You probably need people who can fix them. Or, you know, other stuff. You probably. Oh my gosh. In the third Matrix movie, they talk about how they never finished the mech training program, which is just a bullshit line because they could have just uploaded the mech training into their brains. Unless, well, unless mm-hmm. they were born in Zion. No, but they weren't. You don't, oh, they weren't? They had, the, they had the holes. I haven't seen those ones in a while. No, oh, okay. Don't worry about it. Irrelevant. Okay, so you're Cypher. You would kill people and reinsert your body. But if that didn't work out... I don't want out, to kill anybody. I just... If you, you guys have like taken some, me out... If you've all taken me out... It feels just like, like you're on the side of the robots and you want to reinsert your body. So if you're already on the side of the robots, I, it feels like, get, you know, what's a couple of people? Can I can I get 30 days to, like, try out the training programs? Like a, like a like an annex course? Try some of the training programs. See if I gel with the mech maintenance mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like that, can I get back in the goo? Or... Is that is that in the, is it in the works? <laughs> I don't think it is. I, I think Agent Smith was lying to Cipher the entire time and was going to kill him. Oh, I thought the existence of the actor proved that we're in the Matrix. Wait, what? He wanted to be an actor. Oh, sure. <laughs> that makes sense. And that everything went wrong. I thought that was a fun joke. I think I would do the hovercraft thing. It sounds cool. Why? Well, I do like the idea of learning new skills, I feel like. So you would just be in the in the simulator program getting new upgrades every day? Well, yeah, and like you're going to go on a covert mission, but like they're going to give you all of the skills that you need to do it and you get to be oh. part of a team. Okay, I just remember the construct. You can just you go in the construct wherever you want, and like go to the cool gun range and shoot stuff. Yeah. It sounds like so much fun. Mouse literally builds himself a, a woman in the construct and he has relations with her. They make that pretty oh, clear. Like really cool VR. Okay, I'm back in. Give me on this. Pull me out of the goo because I can. I can. I forgot I can go back in the goo anytime I want. Yeah, but not the goo part. But yeah, the the matrix part. Yeah, I bet you could guess. I bet there's goo dealers Ooh. in Zion. Ooh, miss the feeling of the goo. <laughs> there's probably goo spas. I'm gonna run a goo spa. <laughs> if there's not. That's a market There's waiting to be, be. caught. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. What was your favorite part of the show? Oh, um, I. That's a good question. 
I like the subscription box service quite a bit. I think pitching that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, learning your position as a, a robot propagandist that's against all humanity in the coming wars. <laughs> and, you know, it's good to know. So when they ask me, do you know any people who might be sympathetic towards to, the robot cause? I'm trying to play both sides. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I don't it. think the robots are going to trust you. That's... Oh, they've heard this conversation. And Dang it. Humans also aren't going to trust you. So I think my well, trying to blame both sides, I feel like you're going to get double murdered. Or triple do what murdered. Loki does. Yeah. Play by my own rules. How about you? What was your favorite part? Probably the part where I said jizz tube mm. about 27 times. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> going to have to uh, disagree with you there. Should we do this again? Maybe <laughs> like next Wednesday. Uh, I'm or... busy, busy on Wednesday, so I can't. I can't do Wednesday. How's how's Thursday? Well, maybe a couple Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Next Thursday it is. All right. This was fun. This was fun. This has been. Are we sure this is good? With Rob Durland and Tim Malm. You can find us online at AreWeSureThisIsGood.com. If you want to see things we think are good, check out the Are We Sure This Is Good YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter at AWSTIG. Suggestions or questions? Drop us a line at AreWeSureThisIsGood at gmail.com. From all of us here at Malmland, keep those headphones at a reasonable volume, never argue with a drunk, and whenever possible, hug someone you love. I just need to make an intro. It's just going to be like, are we sure this is good? Presents sidecast, but more words, Mm -hmm. different words, better Mm -hmm. words, healthier words, Uh, words with shinier hair, like a luster to them. (laughs) 